We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. Today's going to be a solo day. Vince is in school today, so it's just going to be me today. And we're going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk Notre Dame recruiting, and we're going to talk specifically about the Notre Dame commits. We've talked a lot lately about uncommitted prospects and where things stand with Notre Dame, but uh, we're going to talk about Notre Dame's commits. And the reason is, is because it it works out well, because today I released my big board, my commit big board for the offense and defensive classes, just something that uh, today, you know, I've gone back and forth on this just because when you rank prospects and, you know, as far as just giving analysis, when you actually rank them one to five, there can be some hurt feelings and things like that. But the reality is, is it's, it's y'all, people seem to like it. And so we did it today. So what I did was I updated my grades of all the Notre Dame commits, went and watched film again of their junior seasons of players that played, you know, their junior seasons in the spring, updated grades. So you're going to see big jump from like Jaden Mickey, a big jump from Aiden Gabera and, uh, and ranked them, you know, on my grading scale, which essentially comes from, I have eight different categories per prospect per position, I should say. So a quarterback is being graded on the eight categories that I view as most important for a quarterback and then a running back, eight most important categories for a running back. And they're all built around some sort of like size, frame, strength concept. And there's some athletic grades. Then there's technical grades. And then there's sort of intangible grades, you know, things that that go beyond just the, the measurable size, weight, things like that. It could be things like a player's instincts, player's playmaking ability, health, health history, things like that. So and then you, of course, you add up those eight categories, and that's how you get your grade. 
So today we're going to talk about the Notre Dame offensive class, and, and it's an interesting group, and we're going to talk about where the class stands right now, what needs that. We're going to go through my ranking of five prospect, my of the five commits in the class, and then we'll talk a little bit about what the needs are for the class and, and, and sort of what's next in that group. So to begin, I want to, I, I want to kind of show something with you all as far as where you can find these articles. So obviously today it's easy. They're on the front page of irisbreakdown.com. If you're watching the podcast on YouTube, you can see irisbreakdown.com scrolling down at the bottom. So we're, but I'm going to show you. So we created at Irish Breakdown a tab that shows. So this is the front, our front page of our website. So obviously you can see those two stories there have a, a, a film analysis and just a bio, like some, some information, recruiting information on Xavier Bradshaw so if you go to the page, and it'll look like this on on uh, on your phone and any platforms too. You just go up to the top here by the Fan Nation. You click on this. See these drop downs? Just go down to ND Recruiting, and this takes you to all our important links, all of our important recruiting links. So you'll see the the offer list right there for twenty two and twenty three. The visit schedule. These are the commit the current group of commits, and if you each player has a a profile that that i have done has a film analysis and those things on it and then down here you have the whole commits big board that's just film analysis of the 11 commits by position and then here you go is here's my big boards i'll have my outside receivers big board coming out this week here is the offensive the the offensive and defensive commits big boards which i did today so we're going to go through this and just really go through the five prospects and and how i see it and just how i view this class so to begin when you look at the last couple of years, 2020 and 2021, it was um, it was a situation where the offense is really, to me, the offense has carried Notre Dame's recruiting. So if you look at, for example, this past year, uh, Notre Dame finished with a top 10 recruiting class. Now, you could argue that the two highest ranked recruits from the class, and this was certainly the case with SI All-American, the two highest ranked commits in the class were defensive players, Gabriel Rubio and Prince Colley. But if you look at the class as a whole, and, and if they weren't the highest ranked on my board, Blake Fisher was the highest ranked on my board. But if you look at the class as a whole, it was really carried by the offensive class. One of the best quarterbacks in the country, strong running back group, very good receiver class, one of the five to 10 best receiver classes in the country, strong tight end class. And then of course, a very quality, high quality, top five to 10 uh, class at, at on the offensive line. And so they've obviously been carried by the offense. And it was the same thing was true in 2020 when you looked at a class that Drew Pine, who was a top 150 recruit. You had Chris Tyree, who was a top 100 player. Strong receiver class with Jordan Johnson, who was a, a, a composite five-star. And you also had Xavier Watts, Michael Mayer, which was a composite five-star. And then you only had two offensive linemen, but they were both very highly ranked. And Tosh Baker who was a top 100 recruit and Michael Carmody. The defensive class has, has been a little bit behind where the offensive class has been, if we're being honest. And there's some good players in those groups, but you know, 2020, for example, Notre Dame completely struck out at linebacker and safety. Uh, the cornerback class took a big hit when it lost Landon Bartleson. And then you look at the 2021 class, and it was a good balance class in most positions, but they came up short, in my opinion, a linebacker. They had one linebacker that was really a top guy, another player that's a bit of a project and, and a guy that just, for me, didn't grade out to the level that you'd expect Notre Dame linebackers to grade out, and that was Kahano Kia. So really, this is a big year where the now the defensive class is strong, but the offensive class has to continue going with 
strong classes. And that's really where they're at. And I would say that the foundation is good for the 2022 class. Very good start on the offensive line. Joey Tonona, Ty Chan, we'll dive into those players individually. Very strong class. Very strong start to the running back class. If Notre Dame is going to get two running backs, then in in Jadarian Price is short of your floor in that. That's an excellent running back class. If Notre Dame ends up not getting another running back in this class, that to me is still a good class running back. You got a top 200 caliber player running back in Jadarian Price after getting two really good running backs last year and then Chris Tyree the year before. You've really gone a long way towards restocking your depth chart. And if you can land one more prospect, then you're in great position, and we'll get to, into that after we get into the individual players. You've got a quarterback that you know I don't rank as high as other people, but ESPN ranks him as a top 150 recruit. Rivals ranks him as a four-star. Good, solid prospect. I think we can all agree on that. He's a good, solid prospect. I think the where there's some disagreement is maybe on what his ceiling is at this point in time. But he's a highly regarded kid. He's recruiting really well. And he comes from one of the better programs on the East Coast and sometimes one of the better programs in the country, depending on, you know, the kind of year they're having. And that's Bergen Catholic. And then, of course, there's a Morin Walker, who is right now will kind of start going through the list is my fifth ranked of five prospects of five commits in the 2020 class, 22 class. Walker's an intriguing player and probably the guy in this class that that gets the, the biggest debate. There are some people that see him as being a really fast guy. I don't. There are some people that see him as having a very high ceiling. I can see that. There's a debate on whether or not they should have taken him at this early point in the stage when there's other players like Nicholas Anderson still on the board. But as you can see right here on this, you see his recruiting rankings. This is updated as of last night. He's a consensus three-star recruit. ESPN ranks him as the number 79 receiver in the country, 247 sports as the number 99 receiver in the country, and he's composite number three hundred or 786 in the country. So there's some big discussion and debate here about Amorian Walker. But let's look at some of the positives of Amorian Walker and, and, and why I gave him a four-star upside grade, because I do think there's some tools to work with here. Number one, very good length. Now, he's not the biggest receiver, so I didn't say great size, because he's pretty skinny at 170 pounds, and he's going to have to fill out that frame, but I love his length. He's listed at 6'3". He's got a really nice wingspan. And, and I really like his how he uses that length. Like, look, you can be a tall receiver with very long arms and not know how to use it. Amorian knows how to use it. He's got fast hands. It attacks the ball really well. Confident pass catcher. Uh, and he's very good in the back shoulders. Now, moving forward in college, he's going to have to get a lot stronger because the bigger corners are going to be able to kind of muscle him right now. And that is one of the things that, to me, tamps down his his grade and why I don't think he really shines in the seven-on-seven circuit uh, like other prospects. And you know, I've talked to people that have seen him in person. Two different people I've talked to said he's probably the fourth or fifth best receiver on his seven-on-seven team, and then another person said he's the third best receiver on his seven-on-seven team. So when it comes to Warren Walker, what you're looking at is just the ceiling. The floor is low. There's a lot of room where he needs to continue improving. There's a lot of parts of his game that have to get better, but the one thing you can say is he has a very he has a higher ceiling. I don't say very high ceiling, but he has a higher ceiling uh, than maybe you might expect from a guy that ranks that low because of that length. And there is there does seem to be some untapped potential. I don't see great speed on film. I don't see it in seven on seven. Um, I see him as a as a really good high school player that 
has some questionable projection to the next level. Having said that, he has some reported, and I still haven't found it officially, but I, I've i seen it reported that he has run like a 10.5 or a 10.7 in the 100-meter dash. That is outstanding time, outstanding time. But that's a track time. That's not a football time. The football speed is something I don't see yet. But when you look at a guy that's as long as he is, a guy that has the kind of lanky frame that he has, what you'll see from time to time with prospects like that is when they get to college and they stop growing and then they start filling, they stop growing height and lengthwise, they start filling out, you see a burst in explosiveness. You will see that from time to time. And I think he has one of those frames to me that says, okay, there's some projectability there. There's there's a chance that he could see a big jump in explosiveness when he gets to the next level. And if that happens, then now all of a sudden he starts tapping into that upside, and now all of a sudden he's a guy that could maybe be a stretch the field kind of guy. You know, maybe he can bring you some of the things that maybe Chris Brown brought you back in 2015, where he's not ever going to be a to me, in my opinion, he's never going to be a number one recruit or number one receiver. He's never going to be your go-to guy. But as far as a complimentary player to other top prospects, he can be that. So there are some tools to work with, and that's why he ranks as the as a four-star upside player, and he is the fifth player on my board. Number four is quarterback Steve Angeli. This is another hotly debated prospect for me. Now, I like some things about Steve Angeli. There's certainly some, some aspects of his game that you have to like. I think he's got a very nice NFL type of body, you know, that, that old-school NFL type of body, 6'2", 6'3", 210-plus pounds, you know, thick lower half, He's going to continue filling out. He's going to be 220-plus um, at that 6'2", 6'3", range. He's got a good arm. It's not a great arm, but there's there's room for improvement there. And I think – and I'm curious to see how he does as a senior when it comes to a jump in, in just being able to throw with power. Now, I've seen Steve Angeli make some impressive throws on film and in seven-on-sevens. The, the issue for me, however, is that – when you watch him make a throw, so I've seen him make really impressive corner routes, throws in, in camp settings and one-on-one settings. The problem, however, is that he had to muscle up to get those balls downfield. Well, that's difficult to do with any consistency in college. You can't be able to muscle up that way. You have to be able to have enough arm power to where you can throw off-platform. And usually guys that have to muscle up throws aren't great off-platform throwers. That is a concern for me for Steve Angeli. Now, can he improve there? Absolutely. I've had people tell me that they've seen him this spring and he has improved there. I have to see it. I haven't seen it yet. That's what people tell me. So we're going to have to see that. I saw a couple throws from his Elite 11 performance this weekend and I didn't see a whole lot of difference in that. Now the ball was jumping out a little bit better on some short throws, but I I, I don't see it still on on the deeper throws. So there's got to be some projectability there. Now he's not a great athlete, but I like how he moves in the pocket. He's not a guy that's going to step up and run for five, 600 yards like Ian Book did or like Brandon Wimbush did. But he is a guy that, to me, has a, he's a lot like Jack Cohn in that regard. I think Jack Cohn's a better overall athlete. But I think Steve Angeli shows me good foot quickness in the pocket. He shows me good pocket presence. He can move around. He can ma- manipulate. He keeps his eyes downfield really well. And he throws the ball well on the run. Those are all important traits for a guy that maybe isn't a, an elite athlete, a top-level athlete like we've seen Notre Dame have a lot of in recent years. I mean, if you think about Notre Dame's last, gosh, five starting quarterbacks, be Ian Book, uh, see Brandon Wimbush, Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire, 
and Everett Golson, last five starting quarterbacks have been very athletic players, all had the ability to hurt you with their legs. That's not really what Steve Angeli is. He may be able to, you know, on a third and four, if you bail, he can step up and move the chains, but he's just not going to be making a lot of damage with his with his legs. But as we saw at Alabama, that's okay. Uh, as long as you have the mindset, and that's really, to me, the the where I'm at, the big unknown with Steve Angeli. He didn't have a great offensive line in high school. We haven't seen him play go through a lot of games. He only played six games as a junior because of COVID. We haven't seen him really be able to show, does he have the ability to process information at a high level? And that right there is going to be the thing that determines whether he's just a guy or whether he ends up being a lot better than I think he is. Now, you can see from his recruiting rankings that ESPN jumped him all the way up to, to number 129 overall, the number six quarterback in the country. Rivals has him as the number 13 pro style. And then, of course, 247 Sports has him as the number 20 pro, pro style quarterback in the country. So there's a big gap. I tend to be closer to where 247 is on him. But he's got enough of an arm that if he can show me the ability to really process information quickly, like a Mac Jones, who, if you look at Steve Angeli's ranking, he's number 230 overall. That's not a really impressive ranking. That's higher than what Joe Burrow and Mac Jones were coming out of high school. Joe Burrow was number 288 on the composite list, and Mac Jones was number 399 on the composite list. But what those guys had, is Joe Burrow's arm strength grew the longer he was in college. But really what separated him and what made him such a big-time prospect was what he had up here and his ability to process information and, and, and pick up a system that was really not an easy system to pick up, not an easy system to, manip, to, to master, but he mastered it really quickly when they brought on Joe Brady. We saw the same thing with Mac Jones. Mac Jones' anticipation ability to process information was elite, which allowed him to be an elite quarterback despite not having elite physical tools. It's not over-athletic, doesn't have a great arm. I would argue that Steve Angeli's arm coming out of high school is every bit as good as Mac Jones, if not better. And I've gone back and watched Mac Jones' film, and I remember when, when Alabama signed him, I watched his film, and I was not blown away. I was not impressed. But as he developed, you, you know, it got a little better, but more importantly – he was able to process information, throw guys open, and just make great decisions and timing and anticipation. And so those are things that, to me, are... are. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
are parts of evaluating a quarterback that are, can be difficult to evaluate for younger players, especially high school players. So that's what I'm going to be watching when I see Steve Angeli this year. Is I'm going to be seeing if he can if he can show me high level skills in that regard, which he really didn't. Sh- he'd really didn't have a chance to show it as a junior, to be completely honest with you. And it was his first year really playing varsity football. So I have I have cautious optimism about Steve Angeli being a guy capable of making a big jump. Uh, as he gets into his junior season. And it's going to be important that he does so because Notre Dame needs to continue adding top quarterbacks to the roster that can compete and battle uh, when, when you look at the future of the position. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's go number three. Now, this is where I start to really like this class. I think Notre Dame is off to a very good start when it comes to the offensive line recruiting. And my number three guy is Ty Chan. Now, I have Ty Chan a little bit lower than others because I have because of my two grade system, and he is a perfect example of why I created a two tier system. Because there is a big difference with Ty Chan based on what he is now, what we've seen on film now, and what he could be. And keep in mind, what we've seen on film now is nothing but sophomore film. That's it. His his state canceled football. I don't believe they played a spring football season. So with with Ty, you're you're going off just potential and sophomore film. Now, what we see from him right now is a player that's very raw technically, a player that's 260 pounds maybe. He's got to fill out a lot. But what you also see on film, and this is why he has the high upside grade that you see there, is he is a guy that has the tools that you look for to be a top tackle. Very good length, 6'5", well above average arm length. He's athletic, and sometimes his athleticism can be hidden on offense by his technique and or lack thereof. And I think that's the thing that's holding him down right now is that lack of that lack of great footwork and technique that you see because he's a sophomore when we see him on film. But you can really see his athleticism on defense. You see a really nice burst. You see decent change of direction. You see good lateral quickness. All the things that you say, hey. If this kid can keep growing and developing and adding to his frame, he could end up being a really good player. So to me, Ty Chan may not blow you away with what you see on film now. And as you see from his recruiting ranking over here, he's in the 200s. Everybody has him between 209 and 236 overall. Anywhere from 22 to 30 as, an, as one of the top t- tackles in the country. Composite, number 209 and the number 22 offensive tackle. So, you know, that's not going to blow you away. That's good, but it's not going to blow you away. And it's not going to be, hey, that's the next you know, first round draft pick in Notre Dame. But to me, the thing that excites me about Ty Chan is that upside, that ceiling. And I'm really curious to see how he's going to develop as a senior. I think he might need a little bit more time in college than than I would have originally anticipated because he lost his junior season. He's a guy that's going to need that time. But I really like what I see from Ty Chan on film. And there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot to work with. The number two prospect on my board is Jadarian Price running back from Texas. And I have him ranked a little higher than the services. This is these next two guys 
are guys that I'm higher on than the national rankings. Not not super, super higher on, but I definitely graded them out higher. Jadarian Price is one. He is number 213 overall, you see on ESPN, and he's anywhere from there to 230. He's number 220 overall. Uh, Rival says him as number five all-purpose back. He's around 20 for overall running backs, and then you can see he's 20, 21 and 22 there. Now, that is actually pretty good when you consider how deep of a running back class this is nationally. I have him a little higher. There's some running backs I've seen ranked ahead of him that I do not like more than Jadarian Price. I really like Jadarian Price. And I really like him, especially for fitting into the Notre Dame system. I, I think he fits in very well to what Notre Dame does. He's a guy that me to be a very strong zone runner, inside and outside zone, very patient runner, uh, a guy that has that one cut and go ability that you really like. Uh, and he's experienced, as you can see here, if you can – if you can see the breakdown that I have down and through his first three years of high school playing in Texas, he has over 3,000 rushing yards and 30 touchdowns. So he's a very talented back, very natural running back. And what that means is this. A natural running back to me is not just someone who has you know, good foot quickness and change of direction and, and, a, and good second, a second gear. And he has all those things. I think he graded out pretty well for me athletically with the footwork, the lateral quickness, the change of direction, his ability to line up outside in the slot and run routes and make make plays in the pass game, I really like. But a, a natural running back for me is a guy that has that next-level skill. So not just someone who can read the first, make the first read. So you can teach any running back, hey, here's your run track, okay? You're going to attack the inside hip of the tackle, and if that defensive end goes outside, you cut inside. If he comes inside, you bounce outside. I mean, you can teach anybody that. But when you're playing the best teams in the country, that's only going to get you so far. That may get you a two, three-yard gain. You need to be able to read that second level. You need to be able to have that second second level anticipation, second level being like the linebacker level, to where I'm on my track and I'm making that initial read, but I see that this linebacker is flowing hard or underflowing. And I know that my what my second move is going to be like. To me, that's what the great running backs do, is those guys have that second level anticipation that separates the good backs from the great backs. And it separates the guys that were super productive in college from being super productive in the NFL. A guy like Trent Richardson, for example, from Alabama, he was big, physical, and explosive. And he had a great offensive line. So he was very good in college. But the part, a big part of the reason for me that I didn't view him as a five-star running back coming out of high school, and the reason I didn't view him as a guy that was going to be successful in the NFL is he didn't show me that those great instincts for the position. He was just better physically than everybody else around him. And, and so to me, the great running backs have that, and, and I think Jadarian shows me that on film, and that's why I tend to be higher on him is you know, he's got to fill out his frame. He's got to build up. He's got a nice build now. He's a strong runner. Uh, he's not going to make a ton of people miss, but he he does understand how to set up blocks, and he can he can make people miss. It's just not something he's going to grade out super high on. But the footwork, the speed, the vision, the anticipation, Jadarian Price graded out very well. And that's why I say even if Notre Dame doesn't get another back in this class, they're going to get a good grade from me because you got two good backs last year, and you got a third back in this class, in Jadarian, or a third back in two years in Jadarian Price. And a guy that I view as a top hundred back. I mean, he he he's graded out very similarly to me coming out of high school as Dexter Williams did. And Dexter Williams is another guy that I was never blown away with elite physical tools. And and something that we debated throughout his tenure is, oh, he's so fast and explosive. I'm like, no, he's not really fast. He's explosive, but he's not fast. And he showed that at the combine and when he ran a four five eight uh, at Notre Dame's pro day. 
And so that's that's kind of how I see Jadarian Price, although I do like his second gear, and he's got a very similar second gear to Dexter, uh, which is why Dexter was a, a home run back. But Dexter had very good vision and anticipation. He was a very natural running back. And I think Jadarian Price is very much that type of player. So number one on my board is Joey Tonona. I view him as a top 150 caliber player. He just missed a top 100 grade for me. And, and again, how my grades work is I have a grading system that kind of gives me a range. And on average, this player tends to be a top 100 player. Now, some years that guy could rank 75th. Some years that guy could rank 110th. It just depends on the depth of that particular class. But Joey Tonona is was very close to being a top 100 player. And if he makes the kind of jump as a senior that he did from sophomore to junior season, he'll be a top 100 player for me. Now, here's the interesting thing about Joey Tonona. He was a, a left tackle in high school as a sophomore. And I liked him at tackle. I thought he could be a right tackle at the next level. I thought he's he's a he's had shown me good agility on the edge, not great, but he could he could hook on uh, you know high school blockers on the or defenders on the edge. He showed me good power, really good punch, uh, average to above average arm length, which was one of my concerns about him. But he's big, thick body, good agility, good getting up to the second level, good in pass pro, understands angles, all those types of things. So I thought he was a, a, a good right tackle. To me, when they first got him, Joey Tonona graded out as a top 250 caliber player, which is a good player. And, and especially when it's an in-state offensive lineman. You always go, if there's a top 200 to 250 ranked in-state offensive lineman, you go get him. Then as a junior, he moved to center, and it was seamless. And when I watched him playing inside, his ranking skyrocketed for me because the athleticism that he showed as a good right tackle flourished inside. He was outstanding inside. His His athleticism projects very well there. I loved his foot quickness. I loved his ability, to, and he keep kept working his feet really effectively inside, and that's something he did as a junior. He he doesn't stop his feet on contact very often. He understands working. You know, if he get, if he initially hits a, a lineman and he squares him up or gets inside, but he knows he's got to work to that guy's outside. Does a great job of continuing to work his feet to the outside to get that angle. Plays with good angles. He looks so much more comfortable inside uh, than I thought he was going to when he made that move. And his grade, his grade just really took off because he has the body, he has the athleticism uh, to really project well inside. And that's a that's not an insult. It's just some guys have better frames for the inside and better games for the inside. Quentin Nelson could definitely play out offensive tackle in the NFL, but he'd be a really good offensive tackle. I think, and he's a Hall of Fame guard because his skill set and his demeanor fits better inside. And when I see a guy like Joey Tonona. I see similar things, not comparing him to Quentin Nelson as a player, but that similar mindset, his body just fits really well inside. You can see ESPN has him ranked the number 141 overall player. It's a That's probably, I'd have him a little higher than that, but that's close to my range. Two four seven, And they have him as the number one center. 247 Sports ranks him as one number 192. Rivals has him 201. The interesting thing about Joey Tanone, and this is actually one of the things I like about him, and this is a reason he graded out higher for me because of that intangible grade. The three different recruiting services that have done rankings so far, SI99 has not, SI American is that we've not released any rankings. He's listed by the three different services at three different positions. 247 ranks him as a tackle, Rivals ranks him as a guard, and ESPN ranks him as a center. That's one of the things I love about him because I do think he could play all three of those positions at the next level. And, and, and again, I think he could play them all at a relatively high level. 
He's a top 250 type of tackle. He's a borderline top 100 player as a center guard, and that's why Joey Tanona takes the number one ranking so far on my board. Now, keep in mind, you're going to want to – the reason I showed you how to get to this, and we'll, we'll do it again. Okay, let's do it again. So if you're on the page, you go to the top left, click on those three bars, go to Notre Dame ND Recruiting, and you'll see all – so the scholarship offers are updated. Uh, that is here. The visit schedule will continue to update as players commit. We'll add them there. You'll see the big board that constantly is updated when players are added. And then, of course, here we are with the offensive big board. So that is that is where we are with recruiting, and that's where you can find all of our stuff. Definitely want to check that out on a consistent basis. Here's my current ranking. And then I and then as we kind of get down through these, as they start adding more classes. When when we get down here, this is explains what those different grades are as far as the upside. It helps, I think, with the upside grade, help understand what I think a guy could be if he maxes out his potential. As Notre Dame gets more players, they will be ranked. They will be graded, ranked, and thrown into this ranking, and it will be adjusted accordingly. So as, as guys commit, within usually 24 to 48 hours, I'll have all of these articles updated. I'm going to work on making sure they're all done in the first 24 hours, but uh, that's not always um, – always possible but here we have as you can see we have the five notre dame commits so where does this class stack up right now to me right now this is not a top 10 offensive class yet i think as i said before good foundation with the offensive line good foundation at running back good solid quarterback in a year that's not loaded at quarterback and you've got a a, a low floor higher ceiling wide receiver so that's a good place to be the key now for Notre Dame is what is next, and, and that is where we're going to find um, really what is going to define how good this class can be, is what does Notre Dame do next? Are they going to be able to go out and add elite players to this class? Are they going to be able to add higher ceiling players to this class? And, and also, can they add some higher floor players to this class? That is also going to be important. So when you look at the class, I think the, the priorities for me, it begins at wide receiver. I think for me, Notre Dame is is and actually it's good timing, Connor. What is the top need for the twenty two offense right now? To me, it's wide receiver. I I think that there are, as we talked about in a recent podcast, there are some players on the board that could be difference makers. But Notre Dame's got to finish with them: Xavion Bradshaw, Tobias Merriweather, uh, C.J. Williams. For me, are the top three on my board so far. Those are guys to me that if Notre Dame can get those guys and, and land Bradshaw plus one of those two prospects to me, Connor, that is a very, very strong receiver class. And then now I feel even better about an Amorian Walker, because when you look at what you got last year with styles and Colsey and Jaden Thomas, Jaden Thomas doesn't have the ceiling of other players, but he's got a, a higher floor. And then you look at the year before with Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, Jay Brunel, you can take a chance on an Amorian Amor Walker if your your start to, the rest of the prospects in your class are are good enough. And to me, when I look at a class that would contain Xavion Bradshaw and either C.J. Williams or Tobias Merriweather, or even if we're being honest, those those two outside guys, I would say I would ding the class a little bit because there's no slots there's no after the catch guys in the class that would ding the grade a little bit but you'd still have two very good outside receivers and that that would be something that to me would would make this a good receiver class if they can get Bradshaw and one of the outside guys or in a 
you know, if something happens and they lose a current receiver from the roster to either injury or somebody transfers, then you could maybe say out of fourth and then you get Merriweather and Williams and Bradshaw. That would be that would make it an elite receiver class. And in my opinion, based on how I grew up those players. So I think that is priority number one. I think priority number two is finishing off this offensive line class at a high level. And that that's going to make it, that's going to be interesting because Notre Dame's offensive line recruiting the last two years has, has been a little shaky in some areas and strong in others. I think that where it's been strong is Notre Dame has signed three legitimate top 100 recruits and one guy in Blake Fisher that was a borderline five-star player with a five-star ceiling. And when you look at uh, Tosh Baker, I had him as a top 50 player coming out of high school as well. Uh, he was a guy that, to me, had elite tools, but it just he was a guy that would need a little bit more time than a Blake Fisher because Blake Fisher showed up at Notre Dame 330. Tosh Baker showed up at Notre Dame like 275, 280. So there's definitely a, a bigger need there in, in regards to what type of time that he would need to fill out that frame. And so... Uh, but I love Tosh's raw talent. He's already competing for a starting job. Uh, Rocco Spindler is another player for me that graded out as a top 100 recruit and a guy with a five-star upside. Then you have a guy like Joe Walt in the 2021 class who is going to need some time to develop and fill out, but I like his upside. Michael Carmody, to me, was a top 200 caliber player. Caleb Johnson is a solid prospect. So there's been some, there's been some good, really good players added, but to me, the depth has been concerning. And we've seen that that Jeff Quinn can go out and get those top players, Rocco, Blake Fisher, Tosh Baker. But filling out with the, the strength of the three, four, and five has not been as good. And obviously Notre Dame came up way short in 2021 or 2020, missed out on Peter Skaronsky, missed out on Jimmy Crist, uh, missed out, you know, decided not to recruit Zach Zinter, who's off to a great start right now at Michigan. Slow play, played Peter Skaronsi, who was a freshman All-American at, at Northwestern, would be starting right now for Notre Dame. So there have been some, some mistakes, not going after Wyatt Millam harder in the 21 class. That means this 22 class has to be a home run class. Now, the problem that Notre Dame is in right now is right now there's no elite players that I view as legitimate targets for Notre Dame. Now, we could talk about Zach Rice and Notre Dame is going to go after him. He is talking about making a visit to Notre Dame, and that's all great. They're going to have to strike it big with him when he comes on campus. They're going to need him to, to, to really get blown away because he's the only like top 50 caliber player for me on the board. Having said that, if you take the recruiting rankings aside and you just look at the talent of the players and the ceiling of the players, there is a class to be had that I'd be excited about that doesn't contain a Zach Rice or a highly ranked guy because, as you all know, I care more about a guy's ceiling than I do about his current ranking as a junior in high school or a senior in high school. I care about what a guy can be. When this is a unique offensive line class, it's a very deep offensive line class nationally, and it's a very good year in the Midwest. Now, some of these Midwestern guys that are really highly ranked are interior players, and so that's where Notre Dame could really load up on highly ranked guys. There's two particular players in the state of Wisconsin who are borderline, either top 100 recruits or borderline top 100 recruits that could be very, very important to this class. That is Carson Hensman and Billy Shrouth. Notre Dame has to finish with both, but Notre Dame is in great place with both players. I talked to Carson Hensman two weeks ago at the Columbus event. You could tell there's a legitimate, like he likes Notre Dame a lot, but he also likes Wisconsin and Iowa a lot. 
So Notre Dame is going to have to really close there. This is a recruitment that if Jeff Quinn can go into the state of Wisconsin, take a top 100 recruit from that state that the Badgers really, really want, that would be a huge recruiting win. If he could then do it for two players, Billy Shrouth being the other, which again is not going to be easy, then then that to me is, and you add that with Ty Chan and Joey Tanona, that's the makings of a top five offensive line class. And so those two guys are very, very, very important to me. Now, here's the key, though. We've already talked about Joey Tanona projects more as an interior player. Could play right tackle, but his ceiling is highest inside. Carson Hinsman is a guard center. He's an interior, pure interior player. He plays inside in high school, plays guard in high school. Billy Shrouth plays tackle in high school. I think Billy could play tackle, and he, but he's more of like a Joey Tanona type. Could play right tackle, but he projects best at guard. So that puts Notre Dame in an interesting situation. You've got Ty Chan who can be a tackle, but he's a low floor, high ceiling guy. Then you have a guy like Jake Taylor. Now he's another guy that's coming to Notre Dame. I believe I'd have to look it up, but I believe it's the 18th to the 20th. I think is the weekend he's coming. I could be wrong on that. I'm going to look that up actually as we're talking on the visit list at Irish Breakdown that I just on that it's on that recruiting page I just showed you. But Jake Taylor is scheduled to visit Notre Dame, which is very very important. He is a guy that I'm sorry. He is coming. Uh, see here, I, I don't have it yet. So, but he's supposed to be coming. Oh yes, here we go. June 11th to 13th is when Jake Taylor is coming to Notre Dame. So he does have a visit on on schedule now. That's one they have to hit out of the park. He to me, him or or George Fitzpatrick to me could be the the keys to whether or not this could be a, a, a top five offensive line class. And neither of them are super highly ranked. They're both 200 to 250 or not even ranked guys, like top 250 ranked guys. But I love their ceilings. I love their athleticism. And their guys are what I say. When you get this guy in the Matt Bayless strength program for four or five years, they can end up being elite players. So there's a class out there, in my opinion, that Notre Dame could get that is not going to have a lot of top 50 or top, maybe even not even top 100 guys in it, maybe one, maybe two, that could be a big-time class because the ceilings are high. And that's going to be the key. But it has to include one or two of those Wisconsin kids. And and I like Shrouth and Hinsman better than Joe Bruner. Uh, Joe Bruner is another highly ranked top 100 caliber player. But to me, of those three Wisconsin kids, he's probably third in that group. But I love Hinsman. And I love Shrouth. And then it's you got to get Jake Taylor or George Fitzpatrick. I think Taylor, for me, is the guy I like best because I have more confidence in his ability to add weight and stay, you know, get to 300 plus pounds and keep his athleticism, keep his mobility, and be able to play tackle. So that, to me, is is next. Then you have to tight end. Uh, tight end could be one right now that, that there's nobody in the tight end class now that Jack Nickel decommitted. But I would not be shocked if by the time we get to the end of the summer, if Notre Dame has two tight ends in the class. We've talked a lot about this, Holden Stace and Eli Raritan. They, they've got to get both. I feel very good about where they are with Stace. They're still in a battle with Iowa for Raritan, but I like where Notre Dame has positioned themselves. He was on campus this past weekend, uh, hung out with some other players in the class, hung out with, um, you know, with had a chance to see the campus and do a lot of different things. And uh, from what I talked to, talking to a couple sources, it went really well. So they're going to have to finish and close on him. He also has a June visit scheduled, so they're going to have to really close. This has a chance to be an outstanding, outstanding tight end class. Now, running back is an interesting one. I would say if uh, in the in the order of need, I'd probably put running back last in regards to because they already have Jadarian Price. But if you really want to take that next big leap, 
I think a second running back in this class is key, but it's got to be a big-time running back, in my opinion. And to me, that means one of the big three, and that is Dallin Hayden, Nicholas Singleton, and Gavin Sawchuk. Now, that also happens to be my ranking of those three backs. Uh, I have that, I, as, I, as you saw on that earlier list, I do have a um, I do have a a big board that I've done of the offensive or of the running backs, and I'm going to show that to you now. All right, here, let's pull that up here real quick, and we'll go through it. So, said it's up here in the recruiting tab, in D recruiting, and running back big board. So, as you will see from this big board, Dallin Hayden is my number one back. Nicholas Singleton's my number two back, and Gavin Salchuk's my number three. And then you see Jadarian Price fitting in right there at four. If you can get one of those three guys ahead above him, that is an outstanding, outstanding class. All three of those guys, well, the first two guys, Dallin Hayden and Nicholas Singleton, both grayed out as top 100 recruits for me, as you can see from this board. And then Gavin Sawchuk, to me, is a top 150 caliber player. He's a consensus top 100 recruit by others. I'm not quite as high on him as others, but he's still very good. He's still a very good back. I just don't see the elite tools that some other people see. Now, then there's Quinshawn uh, Junkids, who down here, David Knight asked us about. What are your thoughts on Quinshawn Jun Jenkins? It's actually Judkins. Uh, David, I would encourage you to read this article. It's at irisbreakdown.com, and it, I share my thoughts on, on Quinshawn. I like him a lot. You know, I've compared him to, you know, he's a, he's a faster version of Tony Jones Jr. Tony Jones Jr. is a pretty good back at Notre Dame. But for me, you know, he's a guy that, to me, I, I think Notre Dame has to – they have to do better than him, in my opinion, with Jadarian Price. Now, if they got him and Price, would I be happy with that? Yeah, I'd be happy with that. That's two really good running backs. But if you just took two backs last year and and you look at the fact that they're to take two this year, I just – I need to see somebody with a higher floor and a higher ceiling, in my opinion. Now, Junkins has a higher floor but I don't see the same level of the high ceiling. Now, I do like him better than players like Emeka Megua, Damari Alston, guys like that. But I, I think if Notre Dame's going to add a second back to this class, it needs to be one of those top three guys. Now, Singleton, it's Notre Dame, Penn State, and Ohio State. Uh, Hayden, it's more of a Notre Dame-Ohio State battle. I like I like where Notre Dame is with Hayden. Now, am I, am I making a prediction that he's going to come to Notre Dame? No, but I do think Notre Dame is in a better place with him than a lot of other people think. I don't think he's the lock to Ohio State that some people tend to think that he is. I think Notre Dame has put themselves in a good position, and if they can blow out the visit, and he's going to be on campus uh, June 11th to June 13th, if they can knock that out of the park, then I, then I, really, like, I really like Notre Dame's chances there. I think he's the kind of kid – that fits Notre Dame really, really well. He's the kind of kid to me that when he gets on campus, he's going to say, you know, I, 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 it works for me here. You know, it, it's he's he's got the the talent obviously that you want, but more so, he's the kind of kid who's got the personality. He's got the interest in regards to the academic aspect of things that that fits really well with what Notre Dame is about. He's one of those top hundred caliber prospects that to me, it, it will gets Notre Dame. And would and would thrive at Notre Dame, and is the kind of guy that if you can get him on campus, and especially if you can really knock that visit out of the park, you've got a chance to have, you you've got a chance to pull off the up, upset. So uh, that is that is my thoughts on the running back board. So that's it for the just talk of the board. I think if if you could say what would the dream situation be for Notre Dame in regards to that list, 
If Notre Dame can finish off with Xavion Bradshaw and either uh, Tobias Merriweather or C.J. Williams, if they can add the two tight ends we talked about, if they can add two of the three with Wisconsin linemen and then a Jake Taylor or a George Fitzpatrick, preferably Jake Taylor first, Fitzpatrick second, and then if you can add Dalen Hayden or Nicholas Singleton at running back, that to me is an outstanding offensive class. That to me is now a third straight year in a row where you've really loaded up on, on offensive players. You could say, okay, they should have done better here. They could have done better there. And we'll have those criticisms and we'll have those critiques. But if you just look at the class for what it is, and then you look at how it complements the year before, I think that would be a great class. So um, I, I really like where this class could be. Now, here's the concern. I don't necessarily love where Notre Dame is in recruiting all of those players. There's an opportunity for them to finish strong, but this group is going to have to really finish strong. Tommy Reese is going to have to get that group going. Brian Kelly is going to have to have a little heart-to-heart with some of the coaches on offense and make sure that they understand what's expected of them between now and December. And, of course, Coach Kelly needs to play his role as well. So I think that's kind of um, uh, that's kind of that's kind of where I think they need to be. So. That is my look, my thoughts on offensive recruiting right now. Let's see if there are some other questions. Um, all right. So Michael Scheller, good afternoon, Brian. This was before the show started, so he didn't he did not know Vince was not going to be with us. Where is Notre Dame with twenty two uh, running back and O line recruiting? Uh, let's start with there, Michael. As we talked a little bit earlier, I like where Notre Dame is with two of the three off. I actually think Notre Dame's in a decent place with all three of the Wisconsin offensive linemen, they're all going to be visiting, I believe, the weekend of June 18th and 20th, which is right now Notre Dame's biggest weekend from a number standpoint. I think Notre Dame is in a good place with with all three of those guys. I especially like where they are with Hinsman and Shrouth. I, I would, if I had to, if I had to make a prediction, I would say that Notre Dame is first with both of those players. But I, I don't think it's a lock, and for Hinsman especially, the visits are going to be very important. He's going to be going to Notre Dame. He's going to be going. He's going to go to in my and from what he told me, I believe he's going to be going to Iowa and Wisconsin before he visits Notre Dame, and then potentially he's going to go visit, and then he's going to visit Bama after Notre Dame, and could potentially visit Penn State. That is the last I saw from him. So they're going to have to knock that one out of the park. Jake Taylor, I think they trail Oklahoma, but they're in striking distance if they can knock it out of the park with the visit. Fitzpatrick, I believe, visited recently unofficially, which meant he did the self-guided tour thing, saw campus and all those types of things. And then running back recruiting, I already I broke that one down. I like where they are with Dallin Hayden, but they got to close. Uh, I, I think they're in good position with Nick Singleton, but I don't think they're in the top top group, that, that number one spot, which I think they were maybe five, six months ago. Uh, I think Ohio State and Penn State are also in a great position there. So I'd say they're either second or third for Singleton. And I don't, I don't see Sawchuck coming to Notre Dame. I think Oklahoma and some other programs are higher on his list, but they're still working. And I, and I like that they're still working. Any realm leagues of uncommitted prospects that Notre Dame may be trending upward with recently. I think offensively, I, I like where they're at with the two tight ends. I think they're putting in good work with CJ Williams. I like where they stand with CJ Williams ahead of his visit. And I think they're in the top three for Tobias Merriweather. Again, it's, it's not him saying that this is my opinion. But have, you know, we've had people talk to him and and just talking to people that are familiar, familiar with that recruitment. I think Notre Dame's in the top three there. Work to be done, but I like where they are. Xavion Bradshaw is, to me, the wild card. He's not really got into the recruiting process yet. He's not really someone that likes to talk to the media. Uh, he's not really someone who seems to care much about recruiting rankings and all those types of things. So 
it's hard to get a read on where they are with him. He talked to Eric Rudder. Sounds like he likes Coach Alexander. They talk a lot. Uh, we talked about how people in his family grew up as Notre Dame fans. So everything sounds good, but it you know he's he's still got to schedule the visit officially and get up here before I'm going to feel super confident. If they can if they can get him on campus before he commits to North Carolina or somebody else, then I'll feel good about about where things stand there. Okay, Connor Patton, this is a and, and I'll take defensive questions right now if you guys have them. I'm not going to ignore your questions as we wrap this up. Uh, you know, as long as they're recruiting related, and we will talk about the defensive board probably tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow or Wednesday, we'll we'll do that. But uh, Deshaun McCullough flipped from Ohio State to Indiana, presumably to be closer to home. Any chance he could be convinced to flip to a Northern Indiana team? That's not happening. So it wasn't necessarily being closer to home that caused him to flip to Indiana. The drive from where he lives to Columbus, Ohio is not very far. He flipped to Indiana because his dad coaches there and he wanted the opportunity to play for his dad or play, you know, at the school that his dad's at. And then also to play with his younger brother, who's in the 23 class, Dea, who also committed to Indiana. So that's what that one was about. It really wasn't about, um, uh, and, and I see somebody else down here answered that. It, it really is not about that. And so, uh, James Taylor has Cyrus Moss scheduled a visit. Yes, he has. I believe he's coming the weekend of the 18th to the 20th. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Maddie K, 55. Do you think that this year, talking about the 2022 class, maybe Notre Dame could recruit all the way through signing day instead of doing all their work before early signing? Maddie, it depends on who they get. I mean, look, if they were to get Hayden and Mary Williams and Bradshaw and the two tight ends and two of the Wisconsin kids and Jake Taylor before signing day, then call it a day. I mean, because you don't have really room to add more to that. Now, what I would like to see them do is maybe stay engaged with certain players. That way, if they get through the season and some players leave, maybe some guys go early to the NFL or some players transfer, that they haven't just ignored kids for six months. But I would love to see them can maintain relationships with you know, let's say let's say you don't get Tobias Merriweather early on. Let's say he goes to Oregon. Okay, uh, let's say that Jake Taylor goes to Oklahoma. Let's say that Dallin Hayden commits to Ohio State. You stay on those guys, right? You stay on those guys and you try to flip them. But let's say that those guys don't commit anywhere. You know, let's say that you 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 know you get you get you, you know you you fill up at receiver. You get C.J. Williams. You get Xavier Bradshaw. Keep talking to Tobias Merriweather. Maybe somebody flips down the road. Maybe Joe Moorhead leaves for head coaching job, and you can get back in that conversation. The mistake that Notre Dame made a couple years ago when Jimmy Chris committed to Virginia is they just stopped talking to him, completely stopped talking to him. Penn State did not stop talking to him. So then when things went south at Virginia and his brother was unhappy and then he decommitted from Virginia, Penn State had kept a relationship with him and they were able to flip him. Notre Dame had not kept a relationship with him and they couldn't, they, they didn't have a chance, even though Notre Dame was the number two school and, and every, a lot of people thought Notre Dame was going to get him when he originally committed to Virginia. So, I would like for them to um, to to stay to stay on that one. So, okay, KMA Preston. Uh, what are the chances we get a commitment in the month of May? Well, I would. I think that there's going to get more. I, I public commitments. I think that there's a chance they could still get some guys in April. I publicly now privately silent commits. You know, obviously, those are a little different deal. But I think they could get a couple public commits here in the next couple weeks. I think they'll definitely get at least two or three commitments in May. I think that they're in a really good position with um, a lot of players that could be in decision-making mode. Now, here's the here's the interesting thing. 
there are some prospects, in my opinion, that either have or will commit to Notre Dame, but won't go public until they take their official visit. This is a weird situation that's new for all of us in that most of these kids have not visited Notre Dame so far. Uh, a lot of these kids, in fact, haven't visited Notre Dame. Some that have have gone on the self-guided tour, which is a different deal. So there are prospects that I believe will have, will, or could commit to Notre Dame silently, but don't want to go public until they visit officially because they want to make sure. There are some kids who don't like the whole decommitment game. And there are some kids who have decommitted previously from other schools that don't want to go through that again. They want to make sure that Notre Dame is the right place. And so it's a little, this year is a little bit trickier for me because Notre Dame has usually in the past been pretty anti-silent commitment, but I think there's a a little bit more understanding of why some of these prospects are wanting to be silent commits instead of public commits because they haven't been able to visit campus. So I think as these kids visit, then you'll, you could see things move kind of quickly with them. Uh, KMA Preston, does Notre Dame have a chance with Zach Rice or should I move on already? No, don't move on. I mean, cause he is, he is talking about making a visit. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't believe he has a visit scheduled yet, but he's talked about visiting Notre Dame and if he does, in fact, visit Notre Dame, then I think that they'll have a chance. It's just I think right now they're way behind some other schools because he hasn't been to Notre Dame. If they can get him on campus and he commits to a visit, then I think they'll have a shot. But right now I'm he's not as a guy that I see as someone that I would predict is going to be in this class. Hopefully that changes. Hopefully they can get him to commit to, the, to, the, to a visit because he's an outstanding prospect. There's no doubt about that. I grade him out as a top 50 player. He is that that elite caliber player that Notre Dame isn't really in on as far as floor and ceiling, and that's the difference. Okay. Is it possible to see a 2023 prospect commit soon and be the face leader of that class? Any hunches? I, I think we're probably still a month or two away from that, I would think, especially publicly. I think that Notre Dame is – I think they'll get at least one or two 2023 kids in the summer, just like they did last year but I don't think they're necessarily pushing for any 2023 kids right now because you start getting up, you start filling up a little too early in 2023 kids. It can make recruiting certain 2022 positions a little bit more challenging. And I think they want to get some 22 kids in the, in the, in the fold first before they start moving on to 2023 kids. So that is it. That is it for the questions. That's going to be it for today's show. I appreciate everybody being with me today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Vince will be back with me. We're going to talk this week. We're going to go over the defensive board. We are going to talk about Tommy Reese's recent comments about the offense, give our thoughts on that. We'll play his comments, give our thoughts on that, what those things mean, good, bad, ugly, all those types of things from that. We'll have an NFL draft preview. And then I have a question that I want to ask everybody. I've had a couple of people reach out to me and talk about possibly doing some sort of live stream during the NFL draft. I hadn't really thought about that, uh, but if people are interested in that, hit me up either on Twitter, on our Facebook group page, the Irish Breakdown, uh, Facebook group page, or um, not the page, but the the group, uh, or leave a comment to this to this uh, video when we get to when it's on YouTube, so I can kind of get a feel for what people are thinking. I don't mind doing one. I wasn't planning on doing one, but if if you all want it, then then I'll consider doing one. Uh, Vince and I'll consider doing one. So uh, let me know if you think if you think that something you're interested in. Otherwise, we'll, we'll probably come on after guys get picked and kind of talk about what it means. And then, of course, Saturday is the blue-gold game. And we'll have a live stream after the blue-gold blue game uh, and talk about Notre Dame and, and where things are. So that's, that's everything going on right now uh, with Notre Dame and what our plans are for this week. I'll have a lot of draft stuff coming up on ourspreakdown.com. 
Uh, so make sure you check all that out. We have recruiting stuff coming out this week as well. I would not be, you know, maybe there might be some big news this week. So we'll, we'll see how things progress. We'll see how things shape up. So make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com, uh, our podcast. And we'll talk to all of you all again very soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.